I'm pushing the button four, five, six, seven times. Nothing's moving. I said, there's something wrong with the, there's something wrong with the remote control. Nothing wrong with it. She grabs a hold of it. Click, click, click. It just works just fine. I get a hold of it. I like, I like zap the energy out of it. All right. Well, it's good to be here. Uh, and uh, we'll try to do the best job we can uh, over the next couple of days down there until Saturday sometime. And, uh, but I do, I do have something here, if it's okay with you, brother. I, I forgot that Brother Mike was going to be here tonight. So, how, Brother Mike, come on up here for a second. Uh, we got a, uh, a card here, for, for, and I addressed it to Union Baptist Church. And uh, so there's a card, and there's a check in there, and that's for the work uh, to add it to the pile or pot or whatever you want to call it. All right, if you have a Bible tonight, and uh, we hope you do, uh, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then the book of Acts, go to chapter 5, and uh, going to read uh, verses 33 through the end of the chapter, and uh, so everybody found their place, if you found your place, stand with me for the reverence of God's word. And uh, we'll uh, start in verse number 33 of Acts chapter 5, where the Bible says this. Then they, that's the Pharisees, heard that they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to be put the, uh, put the apostles forth a little space. And said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For, be, for before these days rose up Thutis, uh, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves, who was slain, and all and as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the word. We ask, Lord, that you lead God and direct in everything that's said tonight for these folks. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen and amen. Let me tell you a little story. You got a minister, a preacher, had a dream one day that he was hitched to a covered wagon. And he was dragging the wagon, and all the, the church members were behind the wagon, pushing them along. And uh, they went along just fine for a little while, but then all of a sudden got into some mud and some bad area. And it got harder and harder to push the wagon and pull the wagon. And finally, he's pulling the wagon, and he's not getting anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's not moving. And so he unhitches himself and he walks to the back of the wagon to find out what the problem is. Well, he gets back there and he finds out that everybody had quit 
pushing the wagon. And not only that, they were in the wagon complaining that the preacher wasn't pulling the wagon fast enough. Amen? That's the way it is sometimes. And we need everybody to be a servant for the Lord in the church. Amen? And we need everybody to put their hand in the plow and their, their hand in the wheel so they can push this thing along. And, uh, you know, you can go down to the average uh, Christian bookstore, and I do use that term loosely. Because one of the worst places you can go in this day and age is a Christian bookstore. I would not recommend you go in there. Amen? There's nothing really in any of those places. You can't even buy a King James Bible anymore in the average Christian bookstore. But... Uh, uh, you can find all kinds of self-help books in there to tell you and teach you how to be a Christian, how to live closer to God, how to uh, do mighty things for God and everything. Else. All these, they're just self-help books. That's what they are. And you can go in there and they're stacked up like cordwood, one right after another, all different uh, denominational people writing them and all men, women uh, writing books about how to be a servant of the Lord. Well, folks, you don't have to spend your money on any kind of a self-help book in the Christian bookstore to help you figure out how to live for the Lord. Amen? It's very simple. We've made it too hard, but it's actually very simple. And the fact of the matter is, in this passage of Scripture, right after they were beaten and they were persecuted for their faith and told not to preach the Word of God anymore to anybody, they went right on out and continued doing exactly what they were supposed to do. Amen. There's no better lesson than what the, what these men did after they were persecuted by the Pharisees or the Jews of that day. And it's all found in only one verse. Now, if you really want to have one verse that will describe to you how to be. And here's the title of the message. It's longer than the message. How to be a super servant for the sovereign savior. Amen. Anybody here want to be a super servant for the sovereign savior? Nobody. Nobody raised their hand. Uh, we're not going to take an extra offering or anything else. You can raise your hand. It, oh, yeah, there's a couple of them. Well, that's, that's good. A tough crowd. Tough crowd here. Uh, well, I'll tell you. Uh, verse number 42 tells us seven things in verse number 42. So all you have to know and do is verse chapter 5, verse 42, and... You do exactly what the disciples did, and you will be a super servant for the sovereign Savior. Amen? It's very simple. Number one, if you look at verse number 42, the Bible says, and daily. Let's stop there for a moment. Let's stop there. Their life or their service for Christ was preeminent. That simply means it was the first thing in their lives to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It was every day. Not just on the Lord's Day, not just on Wednesday night for a prayer meeting or, or Thursday night for a Bible study or whatever it might be. It was daily. Every day we have to be in the service of the Lord. If you think that it's a, a nine to five job and it, it's a time, a thing that you do when you have the time or when you have the, it's convenient for you, you're never going to be a servant for the Savior with that kind of an attitude. The Bible says very simply here, daily, daily, every day. Amen. It's still daily still means daily. Even in the original language, it means daily, every day, seven days a week. We've got to 
worship the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 and verse number 31, I'll read this verse of Scripture. You know it already. The Bible says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. But that covers everything. Whether you eat or drink, that's how we know they were Baptists. Amen? The first thing Paul mentioned was eating and drinking. Man, you're really a tough crowd here. You're acting like a bunch of New Yorkers or something. What's going on? You can smile. It actually takes less energy to smile than it does to frown. Amen? Uh, so the Bible says here very simply, whether therefore you eat or drink, and then it says whatsoever you do. That includes everything else in your life. The problem is with most people, uh, Christians today, professing Christians, is that they, they put their life for Christ in one of their compartments of time frame. Amen? They compartmentize their lives. Well, this time over here, at Sunday school, it's uh, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, and 10 o'clock to about 11 o'clock, that's God's time. But after that, when that's done, then the rest of the day, up until the evening service, is my time. So they put God in the box, and then they go to their softball, or their football, or their soccer, or basketball, or whatever other sports they're involved in, or whatever else they're going to do. But God is not part of that. He's only part of that couple hours of time right over here. And then in the evening service at 6 o'clock, lo and behold, we find ourselves in the house of God again, serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord. But it's between 6 and depending on how long-winded the preacher is. And when that's over with, then it's your time again. And then you go off and I'm sorry, you're not going to be a servant for the Savior if that's that's the attitude that we have. Look at it as a bicycle wheel. Look at your whole entire life as a bicycle wheel. Bicycle wheel has a, has a hole in the middle of it, and it has 40 or 50 spokes to it, whatever it might be. And most people, they put God and the church as one of the spokes. And when it comes around, then they do that thing. But then when they get past that, then they are on to other things. Work, hobbies, uh, you know free time, whatever else you want to call it, there, God is only one of the spokes when God ought to be the hub of the wheel in which everything in our lives revolves around. Whether you're going to the store, whether you're at work, whether you're at play, whether you're at school, whether you're at whatever you're doing, just like Paul said here, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That means you can go grocery shopping to the glory of God. You always this tough? That's what exactly what it means, though. No matter what you do, each and every day, you take care of your family, you go to work. When you go to work, you're there to represent the Lord. And you ought to be the best employee that any employer has. Amen? Because you're doing it all to the glory of God. And when we have that kind of an attitude, it's going to show. Amen. We don't just say, well, you know, it's my work time now. I can put God on the shelf and just concentrate on going to work. Well, you got to work to the glory of God. You got to, you got to drive according to the glory of God. It's hard in New York City to drive according to the glory of God, but somehow you got to do it. Amen. I know it's tough, but if, if, or taking the subway or whatever else that you're doing. So the, the first thing that we see here, very simply and daily, 
So your life for Christ must be preeminent. It must be the first thing you think of when you get up. It must be the last thing you think of when you lay down to go to bed. In that order. He said, brother, nobody works like that. Nobody lives like that. Not, yeah, that's why we're in the state that we're in in America. That's why we're in the state that we are now. Now, I'm not talking about New York State. I'm talking about the state, the condition of our churches. Because everybody has compartmentized their lives. And now it's God's time. An hour from now, it won't be God's time. It'll be your time. Can't be. It's got to be daily. Number two, and that includes worship. It includes prayer. It includes Bible study. It includes witnessing. Daily. In every aspect of our lives. Work, play, store, whatever. Number two, notice the next couple of words there. It says in, uh, in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, in the temple, daily in the temple. Number two, they met at the appointed place. Guess where you are right now? You are at the appointed place. If you think about scripture, ever since the Garden of Eden, God has always had a place to meet with his people. It happened to be the Garden of Eden at first. And then it, met, it, it went to uh, uh, altars, and then eventually it went to the tabernacle, and then to the temple, and then it went to the church. God has always had a specific place to meet his people. Some people don't think the church is very important. Well, you know, I can worship God without going to church. I have never met one, and I'm never going to meet one person who did anything for God, who amounted anything for God, who's, who neglected the local church. I never met one. And you're not going to be the first. You need the local church just as much now as they needed it in our text here. The local body of believers is where the, is the appointed place for you to meet. You can study the Bible at home, sure. You could do the worst thing to turn on the television and watch some TV preacher. That'd be the worst thing you can do. That's right. That's second. The worst thing you can do is go to a Bible bookstore. Yeah. That's the first thing. To go to your local church and make sure that you're there. Hebrews 10.25. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another even more so as the day of the Lord approaches. Mike, do you think that Jesus... Coming is closer today than it was 2,000 years ago. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to exhort each other even more. Well, if we're not seeing each other, we're not meeting with one another, how do we exhort each other? Well, I'll just call my friend and text them, uh, uh, call him or text them. These are a curse. These have become substitutes for what God wants us to do. Amen? Same thing with the television. So in the temple, the Bible says, they met at the appointed place. We need the church for fellowship. We need the church for edification. We need the church for testimony. Every time I run into some guy or gal who says, I worship the Lord just as well at home as I do in, in some church. I always ask him who your pastor is. I never, in 30-something in years, I never got an answer to that question. Who's your pastor? Well, I don't need a pastor. I'll just turn on Joel Olstein on the television. Oh, you could do a lot better than that. Amen? You need the local church. And, that, and if you're going to be a servant for the Savior, you've got to do it in the appointed place. 
You can't do it outside of the local church. Amen? If you want to, if you want to uh, uh, support some uh, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing ministry out there, then why don't you just do it through your local church? Instead of just sending them the money. Your pastor might be able to tell you that, you know, that guy is not really somebody you ought to follow. Might be able to have some information on that. Number three, notice not only was serving the Christ preeminent and they met at the appointed place, but the third thing that it says there, in every house. In every house. They had a plan. They had a plan. Well, Jesus told them just prior to this, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, that includes every house now, doesn't it? Now, it's a little hard in, the, in Queens here, in, in the places in New York City, to go door to door. I understand that. You got, you know, apartment buildings and you can't go door to door inside there or anything else like that. But you could be out on the street. You could be witnessing to people. You could give out tracts and, and so on and so on. Anything can be overcome as far as every house. You got to have a plan. One man said that if you uh, don't plan on anything, you're bound to hit it. If you don't aim at something, you're bound to hit it. You're not going to hit anything. And then you're going to consider yourself a success in the Lord. Uh, oh, well, I fulfilled my plan. What was your plan? Do nothing. Oh, well, congratulations on that. We can't, we can't do that. We've got to have a plan. They met in every house. It was the Great Commission. They, uh, they planned to go house to house. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it each and every time. But you will not be a servant for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just not going to work. Look at the next thing. Number four. Number four. What's it say there? They cease not. They were persistent people. They cease not. That means they didn't quit. Most people today will quit at the drop of a hat. It used to be... When you had a, a, a decent job, you, it was like pulling hen's teeth for you to quit that job because it was your income. I mean, we're even getting to the point now that people will quit their job over anything. Why? Because there's a big old safety net out there to, to catch you when you fall. No. These people were persistent. They ceased not. They never quit. One man said you need to go into your dictionary. You have a dictionary at home. And, and cut out the word quit out of your dictionary. Cut it out. We've got too many quitters in our churches today. Too many people. You know those families. You might have some of them. The, the, it, there's the could have been family. You ever have a could have been family? They, they have all kinds of talent. They, they have all kinds of things to offer. And they could have served the Lord, but they just didn't do it. They could have been. They could have been family. They, how about the should have been family? Or how about the used to be family? That's the big one. The used to be family. They used to be Sunday school teachers. They used to go soul winning. They used to do this. They used to go to church every service. They used to, and on and on and on and on. They were persistent though. Now they just got done getting beat up, threatened with their lives. I don't think anybody here, unless you want to raise your hand, uh, where you've been threatened at the inch of your life and beat up because you were a Christian. Let's see your hand here. Right. I didn't think so. What's our problem? You know, if, if, this book, if the Bible was written today, verse number 42 would be much written, much different. It would say, uh, verse 41 would say, And they departed from the presence of the council looking for a lawyer to sue them. That's what the 
That's what the Word of God would say today. Looking for a lawyer to get back at them, to bring them to court. No, they went out and rejoiced and, and counted all well that they were able to suffer shame for his name. Today, we, we get somebody who laughs at us, and I mean, that's the end of us. Oh, you say you're a Christian? <laughs> yeah, Christians do. And then that's the end of you. You're not going to try to witness to them anymore. You're just so scared of them. Not these people. They were great servants of the Lord because they were persistent. They did not quit. They kept it up, kept it up, kept it up. Isn't that good? And then those. Oh, by the way. Let me, let, me give you this, let me give you this little uh, poem here to illustrate not quitting. Two, two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One was an optimistic soul. The other took the gloomy view. He said, we shall die. That's all we can do. So the Bible says here, I mean, the, 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 as the story goes, with one last despairing cry, he flung up his legs and said goodbye. Said the other frog with a merry grin, I can't get out, but I won't give in. I'll just swim around until my strength is spent, and I will die the more content. So in the bowl, he started to swim, and uh, to churn, and all of a sudden, the cream became butter. And out of the bowl, he gaily hopped. What's the moral of the story? When you can't get out, don't give in. Just keep swimming around until God moves you, does something for you. Amen? So that's the optimistic frog. And we need to be the optimistic frog and learn a good lesson from them. Now, notice another thing here. They not only cease not, but notice the next thing they said, to teach. To teach the Word of God. They prepared themselves and the ones that they won. They taught people the Word of God. Now, not everybody here is going to be a Sunday school teacher, but everybody here can be a teacher. Amen? If, you, if, if, if you've been saved for a year or more, and you can't teach somebody what you have learned, then what have you learned? What have you learned? Well, we're not, this is not public school here. Amen. This is not this is not where you send a kid to school for 12 years and he can't even read the diploma in which he's re, re, uh, that's handed to him when he walks across the the, the, the uh, platform. He can't even read it. That would be terrible if that was the case, which it is in a lot of cases. But folks, we need to be able to teach people. The, the Bible commands that we need to teach people. We need to teach the Word of God. Hey, one of the reasons why I don't think that most people learn anything. They come to church. They might even come to church, Brother Pete, every service. They might come on Sunday morning. They might come Sunday night. They might come on Wednesday night. But for some reason, they, they don't seem to pick up anything. After a certain amount of time, they become bored with what they're hearing. Well, why? Well, I think people are like sponges. You can take a sponge and you can start filling it with water. But the sponge will only hold X amount of water. What do you have to do in order to, to sop up more water? You've got to wring the, the, the sponge out and go back to uh, picking up the spill. If the, if, the, if the sponge is completely wet, it's not going to pick up anything. All you're going to do is move water around. 
That's all you're going to do. Well, learning is, uh, for people is like that. You've got to take what you've learned and tell it and give it to somebody else. You've got to let the Spirit of God wring you out of what you learned. So when you go back the next time to hear the Word of God taught, guess what you're going to pick up? You're going to pick up more water. But people get so saturated. I don't know about you, Brother Mike, but I, I, I pastored in one church in Indiana for 18 years. And there were people uh, who only came Sunday morning. And when I tried to get them to come any other service, they, they, they would complain to me. that Well, every time we, we come to church, all we hear is the same message. They always came on Sunday morning where we emphasized the, the preaching of the gospel more and so on and so forth. And then on Sunday night, we went verse by verse through the Bible. Thursday night, we did Bible studies and subjects and so on and so forth. But they never came then. So they were so saturated with hearing the same message all the time, they did nothing. And then they finally leave the church because they can't... And then, of course, it's the preacher's fault. Preacher's not preaching the Word of God. Well, all, all I can do is set the table. You have to come and eat. Amen? And if you're coming to the same service every week and you only come to that one service, and one thing is emphasized, because let's, let's admit it, most of the time you get visitors, it's on a Sunday morning. Right? So you want to emphasize the gospel. And people get so saturated with it, then they, they don't learn anything else. Why? They're not out there telling other people the gospel. So they can go back to church and absorb some more. And then go out and let the Holy Spirit ring them out. And then go back to church and soak up some more. So they get overfilled. And then it's the preacher's fault. Well, the Bible says that they, they prepared the ones that they won. Paul called Timothy his son in the Lord. Why? Because he taught him. He traveled with Paul for years before Paul left him at Ephesus to be the pastor. Who taught him? It was Paul. The Holy Spirit through Paul, but it was Paul taught Timothy. And then the next word it says here, and they preached. Preached. They proclaimed outwardly. Through the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says, God is going to save people. Preaching is not the same as teaching. All right? And obviously, because it's in the same verse. I've had people say to me, well, preaching and teaching is the same thing. Well, somebody didn't tell him because it got pretty redundant here. He said, Pre- teach and preach. If they mean the same thing, why, why add the preaching in there? If they're both the same thing. They're not the same thing. They had to preach. They had to proclaim outwardly the word of God. And thus saith the Lord. Amen? That's how people are going to get saved. People are not going to get saved because they had a vision in the middle of the night after eating a pepperoni pizza before they went to bed and they had a bad nightmare or had some dream of some angel or some other kind of vision that they think God gave them. That's not how people are saved. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's through the foolishness of preaching that he saved. And it's the same thing today, folks. Preaching. Preaching, preaching. The emphasis is not on preaching anymore. The emphasis now on music. The emphasis now is on entertainment. And then at the end, they might give a little 15-minute sermonette or something. These, these so-called churches are being filled with people, but they're not, people are not getting saved because they're using the wrong formula and the wrong method. And God's not going to honor it. So... We're up to number seven here. The seventh thing. 
to make you a super servant for the sovereign Savior. They said the last two words, they preach Jesus Christ. So a lot of people preach Jesus. Uh, no, you have to proclaim the right person. It's amazing to me that Jesus said that in the last days there have been many false Christs. And we don't take Jesus at his word. We just accept anything that comes down the pike because they say they're believing in Jesus. I've heard people say, well, that Catholic person, they believe in Jesus. And that Mormon person, they believe in Jesus. And that, that Jehovah Witness, he believes in Jesus. Not the same one. Well, there's lots of Jesuses running around the landscape. I bet you right now there's 40,000 Jesuses in, this, in the city of New York. Amen? I wish I had a dollar for every Jesus that's being preached in, this, in the city of New York. I take everybody out to, to uh, what's, uh, what's that steakhouse? That, uh, some, anywhere. I'd, give, I'd take you to the most expensive steakhouse in the, in the city, and we'd all eat till we were full, and I'd have money left over. There's a lot of Jesuses running around the landscape. Well, the Bible says they preach Jesus, but they preach the right one. You see, the false Jesus can't save anybody. He could, that false Jesus can make people feel good. He can make them feel good and think that they're saved, but it ends up they're not saved. They believed in the wrong one. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7 where it said, Many will call on me in that day and say, Lord, haven't we done many wonderful works in your name? Haven't we done this? Haven't we done that? And I will say to them and profess to them, Depart from me, ye who work iniquity. I never knew you. Well, you can't be a super servant for the sovereign Savior unless you're preaching the right Jesus. And the only place you're going to find the right Jesus is in the, in the Word of God. Not in a book that you find in the, in the bookstore. Not on some show that you watched on television. It's from the Word of God is where you find the right Jesus. Someone says, well, they, you know, they preach a, a pretty good Jesus and uh, he's about 98% right. Well, don't forget that rat poison is 98% cornmeal. It's only the 2% of the rat poison that kills the rat. Amen? So you can be almost right about Jesus and be totally wrong. Go like this if you agree. Yeah. You better make sure you have the right Jesus. And one thing I'm 100% sure of, that in this place... The right Jesus is being preached. And you ought to thank God for it because he's not in 95% of the other places out there. It's another Jesus. Another gospel. Another message. And Paul said, if anybody comes unto you and preach any other gospel, then that which you have learned from us, let him be accursed. Ah, Brother D'Angelo, it's so, just easier to get along with people. Yeah, but it's not as much fun to be able to preach the right Jesus to these folks. And they've got to hear the truth. Amen? So, are you going to be a super servant for the sovereign Savior? Well, one verse of Scripture is all you need. You want to spend $10, $15 on some self-help Christian book? Give it to me! It'll go a whole lot further. Amen? 
I'm only kidding. You're not giving it to me. But, folks, Charles Smith is, uh, Joseph Smith is out there. Mary Edith Baker Patterson Eddy is out there. Charles Taz Russell's out there. Buddha's out there. And Muhammad and Confucius and Sung Young Moon and Harry Krishna and Herbert W. Armstrong. And the list can go on and on and on of people who preach a false Jesus. But they're not right. I hate it when I hear some politician who professes to be saved talking about, well, we all believe in the same God. Right there, I know that the guy doesn't know Jesus from a hole in the ground. He doesn't know the Bible from, the, from, from any other book. He's a politician. He's trying to placate to everybody. All right, that's his job. I understand that. But preachers ought not to be politicians. And preachers ought to be preaching the right Jesus. Because that's the only way people are going to get saved. Otherwise, you're going to be making sevenfold sons of the devil... With people with false professions of faith who believed in the wrong, wrong Jesus. And, and uh, I think, Brother Pete, we know we're going to give an account if we do that. Right, Brother Mike? We're going to give an account if we give somebody the wrong Jesus only to get them to come to our church or get them into our church. Give them the truth. Give them the truth in love, obviously. But give them the truth. Amen? We're not going to have the biggest churches in the city of New York City when you preach the truth. But you have a, you'll have a church that God will smile at. And that's a whole lot more important than 8 million uh, New York City wor- uh, people who, who uh, don't give a wit about you, but God does. Amen? So you can look at numbers. I've been there in, in uh, Hazlitt, New Jersey, for nine years. We've hit 20 square miles of every home, every house. We had a plan. And I got eight people. Brother Danger, you failed. Uh, humanly sta- human standards? You might be able to say that. God's standards? No way. I'm so glad that those people are not going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ one day, point their finger at me and say, why didn't you tell me? Because they're not going to look at me and blame me. We gave them the truth. People say, well, you know, Brother Andrew, if you compromise a little bit on your music, you compromise a little bit on your stand, you'll get a lot more people come to your church. Well, Our website says it all. It says we'd rather be biblically correct than politically correct. Amen? Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can come.